Hello and welcome to the Over Underachievers, the only sports podcast in the world. I'm one of your hosts, Max McCoy. Joining me as always, retiring as the greatest tennis player of all time. It's it's actually just me today. It is just me today um, because we're all still catching our collective breaths at the brand new NFL season and a college season that has been full of tumult in uh, Scott Frost going to rest high on that unemployment mountain here's some water cooler talk for you go on get and uh bama almost losing and texas maybe being back and nothing can go wrong oh no it all went wrong uh we want to slow it down this week and instead of covering all of those ideas and issues and things um uh, we wanted to provide a safe space for, for the listeners, for you out there, um, so that you got the chance to overreact and underreact and everything in between. So many times, you know, all throughout the summer, it's been Jason and I and sometimes Andre, and we're the ones reacting or underreacting or whatever. We wanted to clear out some room for all of y'all to be able to um, just make sense, you know, just make sense of some things. Because I see a lot of Texas fans in mourning out there, and they're lashing out. That's how you can tell they're grieving because they are in, I don't know what stage it is where they lash out at people and try to be rude, or if there's a stage where you get weirdly proud about having lost a game. It's a big game, and it was close, but you still lost, and you're supposed to be like the super prideful group of fans and, and, and a people, frankly, but you're like, you're just proud of barely losing Alabama. I don't know. That doesn't feel very Texan to me, but it just feels like there's a lot out there in the world, you know, that we got to work through. So instead of Jason and I talking, it's going to be, we're going to open it up to y'all uh, for this episode, and we're going to uh, work through some of your overreactions and underreactions. But before we do that, as a reminder, the Over Under Achievers is a show for people who can't watch the All-22 and don't want to get their news from Stephen A. screaming at people. We are the people, the watchers on the wall to help you understand sports and kind of uh, quantify it in neat, accessible, short, brief ways. All right. So before we get to uh, the listener uh, overreactions and underreactions, and I do want to say a big thanks to everyone who listed those out on our Substack community. Um, I know we have people listening here on the RSS feed, um, but we also have a huge community over uh, at overunderachievers.substack.com. That's where we send our scattered, smothered, covered email recap of the weekend every single Monday. Uh, and on Fridays, we release uh, the bets that we're placing that weekend. Um, so if you want to make sure you don't miss stuff like that or just have like a group of people, like-minded group of people um, that have some hot takes on sports. Make sure you're subscribed over there. Before we get there, though, I, I did want to give my own overreaction, underreaction. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned the the Bama Texas game. It's kind of it was kind of the the, the headline of the uh, the weekend. Um, and I, I think I'm going to overreact to the fact that Texas, you know, did play them pretty close. Now, in retrospect, um, the line was. Uh, less than I thought it should be. Um, Bama's on the road. Texas is fired up. It's Sark, you know, wanting to make a statement. In a lot of ways, in retrospect, it reminded me of the Lane Kiffin um, uh, Tennessee team that almost beat Alabama, and and, and they had to uh, win it on, like, a last-second field goal or something. Like, there's that wanting respect from a mentor or, like, a senior figure. That's always going to drive a little bit, and Texas is a good program, you know. But I think um, more than anything – uh, I think Texas should probably get a little more credit for that game. And I think Alabama should probably get a little more criticism. And a, a lot of it is because of what Andre Three Sex has been telling us repeatedly, that Bama's O-line is, is very, very suspect, okay? That doesn't bode well for Bryce Young. And if the receiver, if uh, the Alabama receivers aren't, aren't going to be, 
you know, uh, post-mortal demigods like they have been for like the last four years, that's going to be an issue uh, in the in the podcasting business. That's what we call a compounding issue. And I don't know that that's going to be better. It's not going to get exploited every single week, you know, and obviously there will be course corrections. But I think that is a bit of a, a, a more of an Achilles heel than I think we realize. And look, the, the, the penalties, the lack of discipline, there are some red flags. This wasn't just a test where Alabama came off uneven. They're fill, it, it seems like there's some uh, mortal um, uh, flaws and vulnerabilities in the in the Bama machine. And I think um, I'm going to underreact to this. Didn't get a lot of play, um, but I thought it was hilarious. It, it was the footage of Bill Belichick and, and Mike McDaniel shaking hands after the Dolphins beat the Patriots on Sunday. Um, it was as cold uh, of an exchange as could be had, which is pretty typical for for Bill Belichick. But more than anything, I, I just want to underreact to the optics of it because. It was uh, uniformly hilarious because Mike McDaniel, if you haven't seen him, he really does look like the most eSport gamer kid ever. Um, and uh, to see Bill Belichick, like this scion of NFL coaches, like this genius, this old authority figure, meet what looked like the kid who's been like dog walking you on Madden for like weeks now, actually getting to put like a face with the username. That's what that felt like. I know he didn't wear these things, but it felt like he wore these things. I got like a, like a cardigan, um, uh, flip flops. Um, and like uh, part of it, it it looked like he had a lanyard with like his dining hall pass, like hanging from his neck. He just looks so young. And so, um, uh, Gen uh, Z and Bill Belichick felt like such a boomer in that game. I feel like that there's a metaphor there that was symbolic of something, but just to see that exchange was one of the best things of the weekend for me. All right, that's me. Let's get me out of the way. Let's go ahead and get to uh, some of y'all, the listeners. Uh, really great comments, really great questions, really uh, great uh, reactions and uh, overreactions and reactions that I want to get to. First up, let's uh, hear from Melissa. I'm overreacting to the trash NFL kicking game week one. Are we going all in on the two-point conversions? This is a great uh, point, Melissa, and I appreciate you making it because um, I, uh, I I saw no no fewer than like four. Uh, I mean, honestly, it was more than that. Miss field goal. When you combine miss field goals and miss PATs, I mean, the Bengals game alone was just a, a car crash of the kicking game. And it, in a lot of ways, it it does kind of feel like kickers are the airlines of the NFL. You know, it's just like it's necessary, I guess, but it's always unsatisfying, always uncomfortable. And even when it's good, like with Justin Tucker, it's way too expensive. And, you know, I, I think part of the other issue why I'm in favor of moving to the two-point conversion um, is I think when a kicker misses, like a field goal or a point after – it's just so deflating as opposed to when you miss a two-point conversion, there's still like the moral victory of aggression, right? When a kicker misses, it's like literally this is your only job and you can't even do your job. When you miss a two-point conversion, it's like we just want it too bad and it didn't work out. But this aggression will work for us going forward. So I, I don't know if the analytics community or the data is supporting this. I hope it does. I'll wait for them to tell me because I just don't care enough to look into it. But I think we're going to start training in that direction. Just And I don't know if it's a training camp runoff of like these guys aren't quite ready yet, which I don't – other than kicking, I don't know what else kickers have to get ready for. But – I just think it's the emotional um, uh, response of missing a field goal or a PAT. It's just like stepping in dog S word. It's just, it's not a big deal, but it feels in that split second where you feel like you're barefoot on the gushy feces of an animal, it feels like the worst thing that's ever happened. And there's just, 
there's just like some psychic, like some psychic consequences that uh, will make themselves known because of that. From Mandy, under reaction, Texas A&M. They are a case study in F around and find out. From Lauren H., underreacting to Texas A&M's loss this weekend. As a former student, I'd much rather have my playoff dreams dashed in week two than week 12. Okay, I appreciated um, both of these comments because I feel like they're coming at it in different ways. Um, and I probably saw the same stat that most of y'all have seen or, or Mandy and, and Lauren have seen. The fact that Jimbo and Kevin Sumlin have an almost uh, basically an identical record over the same span of time. Um, and I think the big difference there is at least Kevin Sumlin had an exciting quarterback in Johnny Football because I think um, what Jimbo is doing is a particular brand of um, meh-ness, you know? Like at least Kevin Sumlin, we had the, the whatever, three-year or like two-and-a-half-year run of Johnny Football, and it was exciting, and it was high-flying, and they beat Bama, and like they were on the uh, the map and the radar and the consciousness of sports fans. And then um, they uh, regressed, you know, not just to the mean, but like to below the mean. That at least I had the high points, right? At least I had something to be excited about. What Jimbo is doing and putting together in College Station, it's the exact reverse. It's like we feel like there should be excitement and we feel like big things are coming, but it never actually happens. And it's always just kind of um, unappealing to the eye and underwhelming to the heart. And, you know, in, in our text thread, Andre and Jason were discussing this weekend Haynes King's throwing motion. And maybe that's like some of the reason that their offense isn't doing well. And if you haven't seen this, like his throwing motion, uh, it's got more wind up than like Hideo Nomo back in the day, you know? And I just, overall, it just feels like um, Texas A&M is perennially on the cusp of something happening. But what if it just never happens? What if they're more like the Sacramento Kings uh, coming out of the West years uh, back when Shaq and Kobe were on the Lakers. And you got Bobby Jackson, you got Peja, and you got um, Chris Weber, but it just never happens. That kind of feels like what Jimbo Fisher is doing. And that's a, that's a fine life if for the contract he's making. But I think fundamentally it comes back to the difference between him and Kevin Sumlin. I like I don't understand why Jimbo Fisher can't get a good quarterback, like a like a good like a transcendent quarterback, and it, it, it almost feels like going back to his time at FSU, his taste in quarterbacks is like Angelina Jolie's taste in men. They just have to go for complicated and flawed uh, versions of this. I don't know if it's like to prove that they're that uh, some sense of accomplishment or to prove that they're really good at what they're doing because they can make even the the crappy ones or the uh, underwhelming ones um, uh, do well. Or I don't know if Jameis Winston just broke Jimbo Fisher and he was like, I'm never going to work with a preternaturally talented quarterback because of all the stuff I've got to deal with emotionally and like in terms of publics and like crab legs, you know, I'm just going to go with really down the middle vanilla guys, um, but who also take 45 seconds to throw um, a deep route. So I don't know, but it's, but I, I, Aggie fans, they have my thoughts and prayers, um, but I do like them going against Miami this weekend. From Brooks, as a Cowboys fan, I am simultaneously underreacting and overreacting to the most quintessential Dak era Cowboys season opener of all time. Uh, Brooks, not much to add. Uh, this is uh, very well uh, explained because this does like the, the ability of the Cowboys to be so electric and talented in certain places on the roster and yet so pedestrian uh, with their wide receivers and their head coach is honestly hilarious to me. And I know Dak getting hurt sucks, but this does feel predictable. So you should probably have expected this. But I would like to point out that you got Micah Parsons and watching Micah Parsons play uh, in the NFL is just a joy. Like he, he might be the most electric defensive player in the league. And I know everyone 
can't stop talking about Aaron Donald, and rightfully so. Um, are we sure Aaron Donald's a cool guy? It feels like he gets in a lot of fights. And I know, like, he was, like, you know, uh, yielding or wielding helmets earlier and, like, trying to hit people. And it's just, like, boys will be boys and practice brawls will be practice brawls. But um, I don't know. This is a guy who, like, trains with knives in the offseason, doesn't he? I don't know. I, I just – if we got a story that he wasn't a great guy, I wouldn't be like, oh, no, what? I'm stunned. I, I just feel like if you're trying to maim people with helmets and you're training with knives, that's almost like owning, like, over 2.5 snakes – it just tells me something that I should probably know about you. Um, but Micah Parsons, he just watching him is honestly like watching either young double V and swingers or middle-aged double V and wedding crashers. Just electric, can't take your eyes off them, um, uh, doing all the right things, making all the right moves. Uh, and I love everything I'm seeing from Micah Parsons. From Lindsay, underreacting to the Florida Gators. Are they as bad as it looked? Does this mean Utah is even worse than we thought? How good is Kentucky? Okay, Lindsay, it's probably smart to underreact to the Florida Gators because I don't, I don't think they're as bad as they look, but I don't think they're as good as we thought, right? And and uh, I would just say, you know, when dads, like when you do something wrong and your dad's like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. That's kind of how it is with Gators right now. Like they're not bad. They're just kind of disappointing, you know? And I, I don't really think it's commentary directly on Utah or Kentucky. I think Kentucky's probably better than we thought even though uh, Will Levis is probably a little worse than we thought. Like, he's not the quarterback prince who was promised, you know, in this draft class. Um, uh, mayo in the coffee and uh, banana peel eating bedamned. Um, but I just I – th- I think Stoops has a better roster than probably he gets credit for, um, and he's recruited that pretty uh, into pretty good shape. And I think for Utah, I think about it like this. First game of the year, okay, they had to go on the road. They had to play in the swamp. Uh, it's a hostile place. Florida in general is just a place full of humidity and uh, hostile – uh, uh, residents who are m- probably for, for those Utah kids, they're probably more like uh, people from Mad Max Fury Road than they are anyone they've ever encountered in the state of Utah. So I don't know that we can blame them. So that was a, that was a, a sensory and a cultural um, uh, upending as much as it was a football uh, upending as well. So I don't know that we can blame them. From Mariah, I accidentally bought Fruit Loops with marshmallows. My kid is currently overreacting to this apparent amazingness and requesting this cereal every single day. It's a special cereal. What do I do when they get rid of it? All right. Thank you for asking this question, Mariah. I know it's like most people are sports themed, but I want to emphasize we're a life themed podcast. Okay. We're not just about sports. We're about life and breakfast too. So um, what I think we're going to have to do here is you're, you know, I'll give you the, the, the easy answers. You're either going to have to buy in bulk or you're going to have to ration, you know, like start reducing the number of marshmallows from each bowl manually to elongate your supply and normalize a dwindling supply of marshmallows in each bowl of this cereal. Or what I would prefer and recommend, um, I would say uh, go for negative association therapy, um, uh, TMTM. I don't know if that's a real thing, but if it's not, I will take it. Um, and, and do something like every time you pour a bowl and the kid starts to eat it, turn on like queue up inside out specifically where a bing bong dies you know and just continue to pair traumatic animated movie moments anytime they eat that cereal and before long your 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 kid like will subconsciously not want this cereal anymore because it will bring up uh, feelings of traumatic pain and your marshmallow issue will be solved so that's that that's just free advice so you're welcome From Josh, I am overreacting to today's news that the SEC has directed Georgia and Tennessee not to play their scheduled games against Oklahoma the next two years. Oklahoma and Texas may be on the move sooner than previously thought. I'm also underreacting to NFL first week results. Let's not tear up our tickets after the first game, unless Nathaniel Hackett is your team's coach. 
that guy is obviously on the take. Yeah, uh, Josh, all, all signs are pointing to uh, Texas and Oklahoma uh, getting their mail to go, uh, as it were, uh, instead of dining in for two more years of the Big 12-ish, which I think makes sense. You know, honestly, I've, I've always hated the long-termness of college football when they schedule games for, you know, uh, let's do a home and away for 2036 and 2037. And they announce like moves that'll happen in four years. It's like, come on, this is 2022, babes. Like, we may no longer be around in like four years, much less 24 years. So let's get to it. Uh, and then in terms of underreacting to NFL first week results, I think it's a great call. There's a lot of my NFL bets this weekend are employing this exact strategy, you know, so trying to keep it chill with everybody. Uh, but as to Nathaniel Hackett, um, so that's obviously, that was a tough situation. Monday Night Football, really screwing the pooch. Um, and I, I think the, the, the centrality of Monday Night Football and the focus of it, if this had happened like midday Sunday, we wouldn't be focusing on it as much. But the fact that it was the only game in town, it was the only thing on TV worth watching. And the look on his face as he watched the time tick off the clock before settling for like a 16-mile long field goal, it was like – he had the look of like, I just trusted a fart, and it turned out to not be a fart, and I hope no one notices. Um, so I, I, it can only get better, I'm hoping, um, but it could get worse. So it, it, it reminds me of in first grade, um, I had a solo and I practiced and did great and crushed it, honestly, like harmonizing and stuff, like doing runs, vocal runs, riffs, you know, doing some mic work so it wasn't so loud, like I was killing it and practicing when I got on stage. Um, I blanked and it was like a 30 second solo. So it was just 30 seconds of non vocalized instrumental music while my classmates stood behind me and were just so, and I could feel their disappointment. And uh, it's just, you know, he's first time head coach, bright lights are just a little brighter than you think, is what I'm saying. And, you know, then I think about it, first, first grade was also, that was a year that I vomed in class right on my desk. Uh, never did that again, but I did do that in first grade. And it just, it cleared the classroom. It was a big year for me, first grade. Not a great year, but a big year, you know? From Ryan, overreaction, Caleb Williams has entered the Heisman chat. And J.J. McCarthy will be the best Michigan QB since Chad Henney. And the fact it has been that long says a lot about the state of Michigan quarterbacks. Um, yes, uh, 100% agree, Ryan. Caleb Williams has entered the Heisman chat. And... I, the, the most interesting part about that USC-Stanford game and just US, USC in general so far this year is that USC's defense is like the dark matter to USC's offense, right? It's like the, it's the balance in the force that makes, it keeps the offense from getting too strong because there were a couple times during that Stanford game where I, I was like, is there a rule in college football where you just play man down, you know? Um, like I'm, walk, I'm, I'm watching Welcome to Wrexham. And this isn't a spoiler because it's in like the second episode. They t I've, I've forgotten soccer. Sometimes you have to play man down when they get a red card. That's what it felt like. It felt like two guys on USC's defense got a red card because Stanford guys were running wild open. And Stanford guys should never be running wild open. They should never have separation like that. But yet here they were with massive separation. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think USC is going to have enough wins to get him. I think he'll get to the final, but I don't think he can, he can pull off the trophy because their defense is just, it's just a problem right now. Yeah, completely agree about JJ McCarthy. Um, I, he, I, I wanted him. I felt like everybody wanted him. I don't know that anyone wanted more Cade McNamara. Um, and you know, I, I mentioned Stanford guys running wide open uh, a few minutes ago. I don't know if a quarterback has ever thrown to more wide open wide receivers than JJ McCarthy was throwing to against Hawaii. The, the, it was guys not even in the screen. I didn't even see Hawaii players in the screen when when some of these Mich Michigan receivers were um, catching throws. But I do think. 
um, that Hawaii game uh, was set up for him to succeed. And it, it felt like one of those, it, it felt like the same kind of level of scrutiny um, as like an audition for one of those places, or I guess an interview as a normal person would call him, an interview to work at one of those places where all you do is call people out their car warranty. I don't know that they're really wanting you to fail. They just like want to move on. And I feel like that's what Harbaugh did with McCarthy. It was like, this is Hawaii. I just need to make sure you can look me in the eye and shake my hand. Um, otherwise, we got a big problem, you know. From Andre, stake bet for Jason Waterfalls. Over or under or Notre Dame wins at 7.5 wins this season. I am taking the under bigly. So uh, Notre Dame, seven and a half wins on the season. Uh, Andre is challenging Jason to a stake bet. Uh, he's taking the under, and he says if it's over, he'll he'll buy Jason a stake. Jason couldn't, uh, didn't return texts or phone calls uh, to defend himself. So I don't know if we are to interpret that as something to pity or if he's just trying to dodge the issue. Um, but we are going to uh, come back to this issue. We are going to talk about uh, Notre Dame with Jason next week. So uh, have no fear. Um, we will definitely get to the bottom of what's going on with Notre Dame and what's going on with Jason's fandom uh, with Notre Dame as it relates to uh, football. So uh, hang tight. We will be back next week. That is going to do it for this episode of the Over Underachievers. Uh, before you go, remember, please follow us on Twitter at OU Achievers and on Instagram at Over Underachievers. We also have a community, like I mentioned at the top, at Substack. Uh, uh, that's just overunderachievers.substack.com, where we are doing uh, roundups for the weekend in sports every Monday. And then on Fridays, we are releasing our bets for the weekend. So if any, either of those things interest you, uh, the most ridiculous and absurd things from the weekend and uh, the things we are losing money on each weekend, make sure you go to overunderachievers.substack.com. And if you want to uh, help the show, uh, you know, a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts is great, but uh, spread the word. Word of mouth is great, uh, the best way to help uh, the show grow. So if you want to do that, that would be amazing. As always, I'm Knox. There is no Andre. There is no Jason. But I will see you next time. <laughs>